0: welcome into the voice of the colors podcast i am joined by east carolina athletics director john gilbert and john uh there's no shortage of, of success right now across ecu uh sports uh it seems like a lot of people are winning so it's a good time to, to do this podcast right
1: well t- timing's everything uh th- one thanks for having me on uh and you know i am really pleased with where we are um you know if you look across the board on our sports programs uh, we are doing quite well and uh, I I think it's one of those things where we have made of investments across the board in a lot of our sports programs and we're starting to see kind of the fruits of of those investments and I think it's really important uh, and, and I'll use football as the example uh, you know, we started investing, uh, you know, the first day I got here in all the infrastructure things that we needed. And we had to do that to to really get the program where we wanted it to go. And so our other programs, like the basketballs of the world, you really have to invest in them before you win. If, if you wait and go hey, we're only going to give them a little more money or do a little bit for them. When they start winning, it's really too late. And so uh, football is a perfect example. We invested, and we really didn't see the return on that investment till year three. It, it took a little time. And so we've, we've done investments with both basketballs, and uh, I think you're starting to see uh, kind of the fruits of those investments
0: we'll get into football later I want to get your take on you know ticket sales that sort of stuff but with uh let's start with women's basketball I mean they are the biggest story right now Kim McNeil in year four they're going to the NCAA tournament for the third time ever first time since 2007 and just an awesome story pick to finish last in the conference they win the conference tournament I mean what can you say about what Kim McNeil and her team has done
1: well, it, it certainly is a special season, and exciting for me to see you, you know the development of these young ladies. How you know you know they come in here and, and maybe not see success in you know years one and two and three, and, and then they start to turn the corner. And uh, both with veteran players, and then obviously you have uh, you, you know newcomers that are contributing in uh, in a meaningful way. And then I think about the last game, home game, against Houston. You know, we go into triple overtime, and it just was a very exciting basketball game. And the number of people that were in attendance for that, probably the largest attended game we've had other than the school, you know, when you invite the school kids in during the day, probably our largest attended game. So um, being in Texas, you know, watching each game, Uh, and then winning it in the finals in in the fashion we wanted in, where, candidly, in the first quarter, you know, we all had our uh, concerns when you only score two points uh, in the first quarter. But girls really rebounded well, uh, you you know, just an exciting time. And then, you know, having the watch party on Sunday night, the number of people that showed up that – you know the number of them that probably never came to a women's game the whole year but they're there because ECU's winning they love the Pirates and then what great national exposure I mean uh, to, to be on national tv to to see that and the exposure you really couldn't afford to pay for that type of exposure
0: East Carolina will get the latest start, I believe, in the opening round, 10 o'clock on Saturday at Texas. So it'll be a challenge, but I know that they're looking forward to it. When you look at Kim McNeil, uh, year four, she signed a five-year contract. And uh, first three years were tough, obviously. But I-, I think it does show that, you know, even – you know, not everything is is – the same as far as coaches as far as hey they have to turn around by year two year three sometimes different situations occur arise and it takes a certain amount of time to learn the job and then to to learn what it takes to turn the job around so when you look at kind of her path and and turn it around year four just how proud of you are of her well well, I'm I'm
1: certainly proud of her and her staff and the success that that they have and and it does take time it's hard you, you know when when you come in and, and uh, the changes in college athletics with, you know, the transfer portal and NIL and all these things are coming so fast uh, and the changes are coming so fast. But just excited for them and, and what they've done and how they've done it. And, uh, you, you know, I told Kim gosh it's probably been three weeks to a month ago that that we were going to extend her contract and I said I don't really want to you know talk particulars before the season's over because I didn't want to uh you know have those type of discussions and weigh on her I just wanted her to know that we were going to do something uh for her at uh, at the right time just where you, you know more of a easing of the mind, so to speak. Um, so, you know, we, we've started to have some preliminary discussions on that, and then, you know, we'll get that wrapped up in the coming weeks. And, and she's earned it. I mean, uh, this is the third time ever that we've been in the tournament. Uh, this is, you know, uh, a tough league. And, you know, we got a break along the way. Uh, South Florida got eliminated earlier, which helped and it created a lot of buzz that it was pretty much anybody's anybody's tournament to win so i'm thankful the pirates came out on top
0: 23 wins for the women uh 16 for the men michael schwartz uh in his first year i believe the most in in several years i think 2013-14 they finished one game under 500 but really if you watch them all season and another team that was picked to finish last that uh surpassed those expectations ton of uh ton of newcomers, ton of uh, guys who were returning that didn't play a lot that took steps forward. Uh, I want to first ask, you know, last year when you decided to move on from from Coach Dooley, who a lot of people respected, I don't want to say that it was a controversial decision, but it was a big decision. You bring in Coach Schwartz, and obviously I think in many ways he he almost has surpassed what Dooley did during his tenure. So uh, when you look at his first year, just how happy were you with kind of the, the progress he was able to make year one?
1: Well, certainly I am thrilled with where we are. Uh, I think we had a great foundation for year one. Uh, You know, we had, uh, you know, quite a a few returners, five, six returners. None of them played. Uh, The transfers that we got in or freshmen, one of the two, they never played. And so everything we went through was kind of a first for all of them. Uh, to see the team grow, certainly we had a significant injury in, in Javon Small that that uh, you know I felt like we handled extremely well as a team. I, I think the big thing, uh, you know, kind of like going back to men's basketball, we we've got to do investments along the way. You've got to you've got to kind of help the program grow before they win. Um, and I think we're we've done that. We'll continue to do that. But I love the culture of this team. Uh, You you know, like even when we played Houston, I was with the guys in the hotel, you know, was with them, you know, pretty much the whole time in Texas. And the mentality that they had going into the Houston game, like they were going to compete. And if you watch that game, uh, we were extremely competitive in that game. And I think it just speaks to uh, the the culture and the system that Coach Schwartz has put in place and I have very high expectations for this team in the future.
0: The question I get asked the most right now, John, is are all the guys going to return? Uh, how do we keep these guys together? And I know you guys personally at the athletic department can't be involved in NIL, but just can you touch on the importance of how important it is for Pirate Nation to get behind that? Because I know that does play a factor in, in the transfer portal and guys staying or leaving.
1: Yeah. Well, one, I would, the first thing I would say is I know the history of ECU basketball. You know, we get a really good player and he transfers to Syracuse, or we get a really good player and he transfers to Virginia or Connecticut. So I understand where they're coming from. But but on the flip side I'd also say we are a very good Division I program. Like, you know, we have a very good student athlete experience here. You know, we do a lot of things major programs do. We charter, we have a training table, you know, we pay full cost of attendance. And then I think the the, the final piece is We do have a very good collective in in, uh, the Boneyard Collective. They they have really uh, done a good job of providing NL opportunities for our kids. So I understand our fan base going, are these guys going to stay? And it's almost like they ask it more in basketball than they do football, again, given the history, which I understand. But I also think it's important for us to have the mentality of, hey, this is a really good place. Like, we should do enough things that they're going to want to stay. And I think from a culture relationship standpoint, Coach Schwartz has done a, and his staff have done a great job of building relationships uh, with our uh, basketball players. It is equally important that everybody... Uh, you, you know, realize and understand how important NIL opportunities are. So the more that the, the collective or individuals and businesses provide opportunities for NIL opportunities, that, that ensures that, you know, people are staying. And, and we need people, you know, to invest and be a part of that.
0: Just from me covering it over the past uh, several months, it it seems like, again, you you guys aren't involved in it firsthand, but it seems like Pirate Nation, EC fans are really starting to understand the importance. Maybe it took some time uh, for them to realize how important NIL is, but it seems like fans are getting behind it and donors are getting behind it. When you talk to them and I don't know if anybody's really a fan of the whole thing but it is a necessary evil so to speak. Yeah. Do you feel like people are starting to get the importance of it around uh, Greenville?
1: Well, well I think they are. Uh, one I think the collective has done a, a good job of reaching out to a large base to, to do that. We also athletically have done a lot of I would call them educational uh, Zooms or conferences with people Every time I talk publicly, I talk about NIL and how important it is, and and it really is as simple as this. If you're an individual or a small business and you, you own a restaurant and you want to do a free meal per week for one of our student athletes, you can do that. If you want to pay them to come to your kid's birthday party, you can do that. If you want to pay them to do a commercial, you can do that. And so we need people, uh, both individuals and small businesses, continue to do this because we, we can uh, do these opportunities like everyone else. And I think it, if we're strategic with it, uh, we can ensure that our best players have those opportunities and can continue to, to, to cultivate, uh, you know, incoming players uh, for NIL opportunities.
0: And you guys, launched the the Pirates Unite campaign. I can't even remember when it was now, but
1: May we in, had launched okay. it in May.
0: So, and, and that kind of—I don't know if if you guys could have done anything better with the timing, but it just so happened that NIL was taking off, and then you guys launched a big campaign. So, what has that been a challenge from the pirate club standpoint and, and fundraising? To you know, people only have so much money; they got to figure yeah. out where it goes. Has that been a challenge at all?
1: well the campaign is going really well uh we're probably you know i'd say we're close to halfway on our indoor football building uh we sold the naming opportunity for the field so the actual field will have a name it'll be the uh warnham family uh sam Warnum, who who passed away you know probably six eight months ago no it's actually been a year over a year now uh Their name will be on the field. We still have the naming opportunity for the building that has not been secured. That's at $5 million uh, to name the building. Uh, We could go 247 or... Uh, hoist, hoist the, the colors, colors. Yeah. that would be a sweet name for an <laughs> indoor building
0: uh we'll have to up our subscriber base first but hey but, maybe so. maybe
1: maybe the subscribers can help us get there yeah. i like the name though that would be a very cool name for an indoor building.
0: absolutely hoist the colors uh the hoist the colors practice facility. yeah we'll make it now, happen.
1: now make sure you don't edit this out so <laughs> the 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 uh your your uh, subscribers get to hear this absolutely uh but we're about halfway there um Baseball's going well, uh, about halfway there. Minji's we've got some projects in Minji's that we're going to do. We are going to redo the lighting. You know, when you're an athletic director, you try to prioritize everything. Obviously, we know about indoor, the indoor building. We know about baseball. We know about the team's building that needs to be renovated. Well, little did we know the priority you know, would be the Menji's lights when, you know, after the game, you know, we can't turn the lights off and on and we realize, you know, we think, you know, during the middle of the game, okay, it probably was user error. Once everybody leaves the building, we're gonna we're going to uh make sure that it's working correctly and then we realize pretty quickly, hey it's not user error. There's a issue with the lights. And so we got through the season the best we could uh, but the lights are a priority, so we're going to look at the LED lights, uh, installing those, uh, you know, sometime this summer where, you know, you can flip them on and off, and we want the color scheme and all right. those things. The other thing we're going to do in Menjis is the, uh, the bleachers behind the team benches, we're going to replace that whole section from baseline to baseline, and put in chair back seating there. Now, it will still be retractable, uh, but we, we want to do that and look at reseating mengees, where people can sit lower and sit in more of a premium seat behind the bench. We want to make sure those seats get filled. You know, aesthetically, we've had some really good crowds this year but at times there are pockets behind the bench that you would love to be able to fill in uh, more. So we're gonna work on that. Those two projects are gonna happen pretty quickly and it'll probably be north of a million dollars for those projects Mm -hmm. to happen. Uh, We have the funding for it, we've secured it. uh, So those will be moving quickly. But the campaign's gone really well. Uh, But I can't stress this enough. If you look at our donor base, Current Pirate Club members, we've only had right around five percent of our Pirate Club donor base that has contributed to the campaign. So we need everybody to contribute either to the campaign or to nil opportunities. And we've had a lot of discussions with donors who have said, "Hey, I'm going to give you. uh, I, I planned on giving you this amount." But I'm going to peel off a little bit and give this to the collective, which is perfectly fine with us. Like, we're supportive of NIL. We're going to continue to fundraise for the campaign. But really pleased with where the campaign is, we just need more people to come on board. And the amount really does not matter. Uh, We just need everybody involved. We've gotten some really big seven-figure gifts that, you know, really excite, uh, me personally, but I've also had numerous like ten thousand dollar gifts come from a hundred or two hundred dollar a year uh annual pirate club donor and they they give you a ten thousand dollar gift and go, "Hey, this is the most I've ever given in my life. Those types of gifts really fire me up as well because those individuals believe in enough or see what our teams are doing in order to invest in them we just need more people to to help and in, in, invest in our student athletes
0: so the Minji's project will be done shortly you said um it's funny you mentioned the light story I, I was actually one of the few people in Minji's when they turned the lights off after the game and i could hear somebody on the court saying yeah they won't turn back on so that is a true story how it, it, old are those lights uh, like?
1: they're old <laughs> uh it, and like really when uh, I wasn't in the gym when, mm-hmm. when they didn't turn the lights off. And the button on the control panel uh, was, is very sensitive. So we just figured hey, and they've been told don't hit it more than once because if you hit it more than once and uh, they shut off, it can take 20 minutes to come back on. So they don't turn off, they wait which was the right thing to do and then afterwards we realized there's an issue i i don't know how old the lights are but but i can uh i can tell you the operating system for the lights was like the old like 95 windows uh programming and so uh we had to get a guy from ohio and he had to pull a old you know windows computer out of the uh out of the closet to get it to program. And so right now all the lights are programmed together, but you have to flip them on and off manually. Uh they're old. Um, but but I kind of equate it to uh football. L- like we replaced the sound system in football. And prior to it being replaced, I would have said Hey the football sound system's not a priority. We need scoreboard and right. LED boards and all these other things. But when your staff comes to you and says, "Hey, we got an issue with the sound system like I'm not sure it can make it through the season." You know, that's not a good conversation. Right. And so you realize, "Hey, we we've got to make it a priority and we got to make it a priority pretty quickly." And so the lights at Minji's are a priority. Uh, We did what we had to do to get it through the season. Not ideal, but we made it work. We're going to go to an upgraded LED system and then, again, uh, the bleachers. We need to continue to invest in Minjis.
0: Going off that, I'm curious just for somebody who's been going to Minjis for a long time, I always get asked, too, is a... a you know a scoreboard that hangs from the roof is that a possibility or even updating the you know the video monitors because they are fairly small uh, yeah. what, what do you think about that and that made more may be more of a long-term project
1: well, well i think a center hung scoreboard is a um practically speaking i would say yes we would love a center hung the the way the layout is in Minji's and if we dropped one in now we would have some sight line issues uh, with it. And so uh, I think long-term redoing scoreboards where they are is probably the best path. But that's not to say we won't, you know, as technology improves, you you might be able to hang four big screens up there that, you know, shrink the size of a center-hung scoreboard. You know what we'll certainly look at that okay. i i love the bones of mingy's you, you know i look at that houston game when you get enough people in there it's a pretty darn good environment and i don't think we need more seats uh we've got plenty of seats i think we just need to continue to try to elevate the experience
0: yeah i've always said uh you know pack Cart claire is fun a pack dowdy ficklin's fun but a pack minges is a different animal i mean it just gets so loud due to the low roof so i think it's it's something that yeah from a home court advantage standpoint it makes a lot of sense um going back to to the uh baseball facility and also the indoor practice facility you mentioned about half halfway there is the second half always the hardest to, to reach do you have like an ideal timetable when you would like to complete those
1: I don't have a timetable. Obviously, we're in a position financially where we have to raise all the money before we right. can build it, and so we still have some very big ask that are out. Uh, when you ask an individual for a large sum of money, it takes time for them to process it. It right. never happens fast, so it, it can take you know months to a year or more for for someone to to process. Uh, a gift that large so we have numerous ask out uh i'm still encouraged about where we are but like i said before that that five percent of pirate club givers that have given we've got to grow that base no matter what the giving amount is to get where we all want to go because it really will take everybody to get this done
0: Moving to football, I don't know if you have the, the season ticket sales off the top of your head or any idea where they might be, but I know that uh, we were talking off the record the other day. You said ECU is kind of a notoriously last-minute fan base as far as upping our uh, you know renewals or whatnot. So where does that number stand? Is, I think April 3rd might be the renewal date.
1: Yeah, a- April 3rd is our deadline. I don't have a number uh, you know, r- right this Correct. minute. I-, I know that... This is the time of year that people are renewing their Pirate Club and, um, you know, getting their season tickets. Last year we were north of 15000 Like Like, for us, we really can't let that number drop. Like, it, we, we need people uh, to continue to buy season tickets. It is the foundation for us financially. And I think if you look at where we uh, finished last year from an attendance standpoint for schools like us. Uh, you know, we were in second place. Uh, I, want to be right there again because, uh, it's just so important from a financial perspective. And then, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, I can't tell you how important it is. I hear from other ADs that, they always bring donors on the trip to East Carolina because they talk about the atmosphere that we have. And so, obviously, uh, the lifeblood uh, of our department financially is football. Uh, We need our fans to continue to renew season tickets.
0: And you guys, obviously, uh, when you look at season ticket sales, have grown each year. And I guess there's no NC State on the schedule this year, but still – back-to-back winning seasons you know coach Houston has brought stability to the program when you look at it from that standpoint how how would you maybe urge fans to continue to support this program and I know that you know there are some marquee home non-conference games coming up in, in in future years we'll get into the schedule in a minute but You know, if if we don't sell season tickets, it's going to be hard to meet. Continue to invest, I guess, into the product that you want to see on the field.
1: Well, everybody says, "Hey, I'd love to have forty or fifty thousand in Dowdy-Ficklin for a game." Well, if if you only sell ten or twelve thousand season tickets, to to get to forty thousand to sell, you you know, twenty or thirty thousand single game tickets. That is a lot of tickets to move, and so uh, it just goes back to ha- having a consistent, uh, you know, season ticket base. And I think another important thing is, you know, we do want to have competitive schedules and games at home. Uh, we do have some really good schedules in the future. Um, we don't have an NC State, but I would also argue, you know, we need our fans to come to watch the Pirates, maybe not necessarily all the time, who we're playing. um, But but I do feel good about the direction we're headed in.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. All right, speaking of scheduling, we'll we'll talk about that now. And uh, Marshall coming in this year, along with, uh, I believe, Gardner-Webb as the other non-conference game. When you look at future uh, schedules, there's nothing I get asked about maybe more as far as football. Uh, so where does that stand, and are you happy with, kind of with, with that as it stands now?
1: What, well, I am happy with it. Now, scheduling is one of those things that um, – You almost have to do it every day it's like shaving if if you don't shave every day at some point you get behind Uh, scheduling is no different I hate that we schedule so far in advance but it is uh, kind of the nature of the beast in college athletics so I'm pleased with where we are now one thing that kind of uh, was a little bit of a curveball uh, back in last spring uh, summer was the BYU series, and, and there's a trickle down effect with all this. So uh, we were going to play. Uh, we played at BYU this year. BYU was scheduled to return to Greenville in 24. So previous contract and part of their contract language was if they ever moved into another conference they can move the game without penalty and so when we started having those initial discussions with BYU I was looking at the schedule and going okay let's just change this to a buy game like you buy us to come to Provo you don't have to come back they were like no no we we want we want to return the game. Let's move it to 24. And so we had room in 24, or some, sorry, we wanted to move, they wanted to move it from 24 to 25. Again, no financial penalty. Most contracts, there's some sort of financial penalty, you know, to do that. So they're able to move, we moved that game to 25. So we need a game in 24 now, all right? Well, everybody, and I'm saying everybody, the fan base who doesn't deal with scheduling every day and really fully understand how how it works, they they want us to pick up the phone and play, you know, pick up Power 5 school. They're all gone. Like you know, 2000 uh 2024 is like tomorrow in the football scheduling world. And so when it came down to scheduling, it was uh, Liberty, New Mexico, and Utah State, and there might have been like Fresno might have, might have been the other school. Those were the five four schools that we could have scheduled a game with. Everybody else is scheduled unless somebody breaks a contract, and so. Looking around, it really makes no sense for us to go play those other schools on the road, and, and so we did start talking to Liberty because I felt like, hey, at the end of the day, our fans can drive to see that game. Uh, when when they return to Greenville in in late 2000s, you know they'll bring people that honestly we need to help sell tickets here. And so it made it made too much logical sense to schedule that game, and so I understand. That, you know, fans go, "Oh, I can't believe we scheduled that! Why didn't we play?" And they list fifty other schools. It it just doesn't work like that. And so we moved uh, the BYU game to twenty five. Um, you know, we've got if you look at our schedule. Uh, you know, in 24, we've got Norfolk State at Old Dominion, App at Home, and at Liberty. Like our fan base can drive to all three of those non-conference games. Might be the first time ever that that's been able to happen. So while we don't have uh, a Power Five, I do think that App Home game will be obviously a good game for us uh, in Greenville. We've got NC State in 25, uh, in Raleigh, 28 uh, here. Obviously, you'd like to continue that. Uh, I don't know what their appetite is for that. Uh, We haven't gotten a lot of, you know, uh, movement on that game. And so certainly understand that's important to everybody and want to continue to work that. Uh, We also have BYU in 25, 26 uh, at Boise, West Virginia at home, then 27 at South Carolina, Wake at home, at Old Dominion. We're we're looking at uh, moving a game so we can have an FCS opponent that year. We don't currently have that. And then obviously NC State and Boise at home uh, in 28. And then as you look – 29 is really the next year that we need to try to secure a a Power 5-type opponent here in Greenville. So 29 and beyond is really the focus. 2028, we need to add another FCS game. Uh, So continue to work on the scheduling front daily.
0: And obviously, it just feels like the more conference expansion kind of goes on, it's almost like... um, you know, teams, it's always, they've always been reluctant to come to Greenville or play, you know, quote-unquote a, a group of five school. It just seems like it's getting harder and harder each year. I, I even think I read something about the ACC telling its teams to try and not schedule those type of games going forward. So how do you battle that as an athletic director at East Carolina? I mean, I'm sure that's one of your your – top priorities to scheduling, but it it just seems like it gets more and more difficult.
1: Well, it it is more and more difficult. I I think if you look at the landscape, certainly uh, if you look to the SEC, they're at 14 teams. They're getting ready to add two to make it 16, and they're talking about a nine-game schedule. So if they go to a nine-game conference schedule, they're currently at eight, there are a lot of games that they're going to drop. And so there will be some opportunities to maybe pick up a game or two. Uh, that's really important. If you look at the difference between the SEC and the ACC, if you just ask the common fan, what, what is, uh, what's a better football conference? M- most educated fans are going to say the SEC is a better football conference. Well, if you look at what the SEC does from a scheduling standpoint, the SEC, they spend their money on football. So they're going to buy, unless you're a lower-level income SEC school, you're not doing home-and-homes. But, like, you know, you're going to pick a Power 5 opponent and you're either going to play them home-and-home or you're going to go to a neutral site Where you both get paid, the ACC has not had that scheduling philosophy. Other than a Clemson or Florida State, they would go by these opponents, and so I think the comments that you're referring to, there they have been told, hey, if you want to get better in football, you better not go play these schools on the road. And I certainly understand that because we've had our share of victories in Dowdy-Ficklin. you know we're going to continue to fight to try to get uh you know those teams to come here but it is getting extremely difficult for that to happen much like I had a conversation with Kim McNeil this morning on scheduling and she's saying already hey teams don't want to play us next year they see who we have coming back and they don't want to play and so it's a product of a competitive team we've got to continue to work to to find those teams that are willing to come here and and they might be more non-traditional matchups meaning there might be a school that's out of our footprint that's willing to come here uh more so than schools that are more local
0: coverage expansion always a hot uh button topic uh it gets brought up on social media on on my site every day I, i honestly try and stay out of it unless it pertains directly to ecu but as athletic director of ecu you have to be at least uh you know aware of what's going on where, where do you feel like ecu stands in in the, the world of college athletics now it seems like the the athletic department is as healthy as it's ever been right now in, in competitiveness and, and where it stands so do you feel like the pirates have positioned themselves in a, in a position where you could potentially get a call at a future date or, or where do you feel like that is right now
1: Well, I I think we're in a really good position of where we are. Uh, I saw the numbers the other day. If if you look outside of the Power Five leagues, uh, we are the next best league from a revenue generation standpoint. So I think we're in a really good position there. Uh, Obviously, the more success that we have on the field, that really translates two opportunities. So it will come down to football success and financial stability. Like we still need to uh, strengthen ourselves financially. Um, You know, we had the best financial year this past year that we've ever had. And it's great. And I really struggled with putting that release out because it is a great accomplishment. Like, we've generated more revenue than we've ever generated before. But it's also very hard to tell that story because, you know, people don't fully grasp what that means. And we've raised a bunch of money, meaning the tower was sold out. But, like, a lot of that revenue goes to support the debt on the tower. Or we've had giving for scholarships. So it's not like... I have this bucket of money that I don't know what to do with. You know, like, let's go spend. It's it's been uh, great from a financial perspective, and everyone's bought in, but certain buckets of money, they're earmarked to go places. And so I think the more that we can be competitive on the field and continue to strengthen our finances, opportunities will continue to come our
0: way. Some people make a big deal about R2, R1 research universities. I know that's more on the academic side, but do you feel like that's a detriment to East Carolina in terms of getting looks and the market size has always been a knock? But you look at you know the fan support, the numbers for viewership for some of the games, and it would seem like that would maybe overshadow it, but it just seems like that's always a knock on ECU. Well, I think like
1: – you know when you look at what a uh, research one institution does and is, um, I don't think it is necessary for us uh, to to be that in in order to make any potential move. Uh, you know, in a conference above the one we're already in, which I'm really happy with the one we're in. Um, Again, it translates to, you know. I look at the Big Ten. Who who did the Big Ten add? They added Southern Cal and UCLA, and and look at all the schools the Big Ten didn't add. Well, they added those because of the success of those programs, the market they were in, the funding of it all. You, you know, uh, those have you know they've had traditional success i think the more success that we can have those opportunities will come our way
0: a few more things we'll let you get out of here uh clark leclair stadium you guys have sold out of season tickets two straight years uh i, I get a lot of text requests hey do you have any grandstand st- tickets and i know that you guys sell out of those so Is expansion of Clark LeClaire Stadium, is that even a possibility or is it just not maybe cut up for that uh, in its current state?
1: Well, well, a couple things come to mind. One, this expansion that we're fundraising for, there is a pavilion type area where there'll be some premium type seating uh, both there um, and some standing room only to try to create a little premium content in Clark LeClaire. So there'll be a few seats that would be added there. Uh you you could also go, you know, the route of if you pulled out all the bleachers and chair backed everything in Clark LeClaire. The problem with that is you reduce capacity, which obviously we, we wouldn't want to do with that. And so I think there's something to be said for there being demand. Uh, we certainly saw that with the last regional and super regional people were coming out of the woodworks and this is a good thing you know we had donors that were football and basketball season ticket holders and they were calling for super regional tickets and we're like you know while you are a a donor and we're appreciative of that you're not a baseball season ticket holder and so a lot of those people have bought season tickets this year making sure that you know they're part of the priority process and so other than the current baseball footprint expansion and what few premium seats add, we have no plans to uh, expand uh, Clark LeClaire. and I'm happy with where we are from a uh, you know capacity standpoint. And and I would say this, you know, while we are sold out from a season ticket standpoint, you're you're at every game pretty much like I am. We're not at capacity every game and I learned this a long time ago, you you can't build your church for Easter Sunday. You know, if you do that, you know, you've got a lot of pews vacant on, you know, a normal Sunday. So I, I like where we are from a capacity standpoint right now.
0: Lastly, we, we've touched a lot on, you know, some of the major sports, but I do want to highlight, you know, women's lacrosse is doing well, softball doing extremely well in other sports as well. So if you could just, Talk about maybe some of those other spring and you know past winter sports that have made progress, and and how important it is for fans to get out and support them as well.
1: Well, I think if you look, I'm going back to the fall and soccer. You know, we had a really good, uh, you know, good run in soccer. Made the conference tournament, uh, very competitive there. If you look at what Amanda has done in lacrosse, uh, we we just continue to to get better there, and and it's one of those things that you. People don't fully grasp when you start a program, you know, new. It takes a lot of time to, you know, get it going. But I'm really pleased with, uh, you know, where we are there. We won two matches this past uh, weekend. Softball under uh, Shane year two. We've got Notre Dame, you know, coming in uh, to uh, Max Joyner Stadium on Thursday. Uh, w- neat to have the Irish here uh, in Greenville even if it is softball uh, obviously we'd love to have them in uh, we'd love to have them in Dowdy Ficklin that would yeah. be uh, pretty cool but but uh, you look at the start that that they're uh, they have uh, obviously very pleased uh, with where that is and what, what happens is it is a cumulative effect because uh, you know, people are energized when they see the Pirates doing well. And, and it could be softball or lacrosse or track. Uh, you, you know, you see a, a track student athlete, you know, Royal Burris, that finishes high in the, the 200 meters in the indoor conference meet. There's a cumulative effect to that that everybody's really positive and go, man, they're doing really well. I want to help invest Uh, and and give to those programs or buy a ticket and come check it out. It all helps.
0: He is Athletics Director John Gilbert. John, a great time right now to be an East Carolina sports fan, a great time to be the Athletic Director. Things are going well. We appreciate the time. You gave us around 45 minutes, so Thanks for the information and the the time this uh, this morning.
1: Well, thanks for having us, and uh, come join us at an athletics event, and uh, look forward to people seeing out on campus. Go Pirates.
0: He is John Gilbert, and that will do it for the Hoist the Colors podcast. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be with you next time.